Life support is nominal. The oxygen danger indicator level is yellow. Please remember that this is a non-smoking pirate ship. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to GameIndustry.com's The Gin Lounge. I'm John Breeden, your chief lounge lizard, and the host for this episode of the show. Today, we're going to Vegas, baby, because what you kill in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, not in real life, but certainly in the world of Fallout, New Vegas. We don't normally do uh, single-game single shows, but this one we thought was definitely worthy of it. It has a legion of fans, uh, the Fallout New Vegas. We uh, ran a press release the other day that they shipped 5 million copies of the game uh, so on, on all platforms, and it's been, uh, it's been quite a lot of fun for tons of people. So we thought we would – it's also uh, been floated as sort of a game of the year because Bethesda always comes in sort of at the end of the year and scoops up a lot of, of game of the year nominations, it seems. So this is their chance, although this one was actually uh, done by a different developer, which we'll we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, It was done by Obsidian Entertainment. Uh, But joining me in the lounge today are two people who have spent long, long, long time with the game. Uh, We have uh, James Maddox. James Maddox, welcome to the the lounge today. Thanks for healing yourself away from the game for a few minutes to chat about it. Yeah, no problem. And then somehow, incredibly enough, James actually found somebody who's played the game more than him. Uh, so we have uh, joining us for the first time, uh, Eric Walters. Eric, uh, welcome to the lounge. Hawkins. Hawkins, sorry. See? That's okay. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. I, I, you know, I wrote it down, and then I wrote it down wrong. So I'm just horrible. <laughs> but Eric, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us today. And I, I don't know how you... Um, have played the game more than James. James tells me that what he does, because I see him on the PlayStation Network, is that he pauses his game for some reason and then leaves it paused for like 18 hours straight. But I don't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, you, I, I have other things that I need to do uh, throughout the day, but, so I want it to be, I want the game to be readily accessible. <laughs> You know, I, you know, it is annoying to have to wait that 30 seconds for the you know, know, just to right? boot up, and then and then you gotta you've gotta load it, and you've gotta push that. Okay, I understand the game saves at certain points every time it loads up. <laughs> That's right. It's like we know how the PlayStation works. It's Cutting out the middleman. <laughs> That's a good idea. I'll have to I'll have to try that. So, all right. So, um, the uh, obviously Fallout New Vegas uh, was the sequel to Fallout Three. Well, not really a sequel. It's sort of a parallel, a parallel world. I mean, when you say sequel, everybody says sequel, but sequels generally mean that you know the the worlds overlap, and even though they take place around the same time frame, it's a it's a total it's a totally new world. Um, Eric, you being the sort of senior player between the three of us, as far as number of hours played. Um, what do you what do you think about the general approach of uh, Fallout New Vegas as far as um, you know not being a direct sequel and not really having a lot to do with with Fallout Three was was that something you were looking forward to and what's your general impressions uh, you know going into it initially? I like the idea. I like the idea that instead of you know telling a story after the fact, we're just talking about you know this is what was happening in a different part of the country. Because I found myself when I was playing Fallout 3, you know, we focused on one area, and my thought was, well, what happened everywhere else? Mm-hmm. So it was kind of cool that they're like, well, while this was taking place pretty much, this is what was taking place on the other side of the country. Yeah, you know, and I didn't think about this at first, but really a lot of the um, – depend, depending on how deep you get into the New Vegas game – 
a lot of the things that were happening in in Washington D.C. It, it sort of kind of makes sense because in D.C. one of the big things was the Brotherhood of Steel. That was basically the people that you worked for, and yeah. if if you notice, they were always complaining because the people out west who were supposed to be like you know all all in charge of everything weren't sending the people to the east any like resources or anything like that, and they were always they were kind of pissed and they sort of had a falling out and. You sort of learn that the uh, the Western uh, Brotherhood of Steel chapters aren't exactly in their in the best of shape. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting that more than anything, you know, and I'm I'm not the expert on the Fallout universe by any means, so lots of people could have known about this before me. But we started diving into different like tribes. You know, we had the tribals and we had different settlers and the fiends and. You know, this is just expanding the world and showing you that communication is really at a breakdown, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. No, so makes sense. There are all these different factions going on that nobody even probably conceived. <laughs> That, how, how far does that go? Like, what's going on in China right now? You know? Well, I know you you said in your column you'd, you'd want to find out. I, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with this if they ever do a sequel. I think I think what's clever about about New Vegas too is that because it's far enough because of that communication breakdown and because it's set far enough away from the Washington D.C. area, it really doesn't matter what happened in D.C. So, like, if yeah. if they were doing a straight sequel, you would run into the point like I'm I'm playing Dragon Age and uh, Dragon Age Origins. I'm playing this the sequel Awakening, and it's funny because like somebody will come up to me even though I'm using the same character. People will come up to me and say, "Oh, well, we need to help the mages break away from the chance, you know, the chantlery, which is sort of the people that oversee them." I'm like, "No, I did that in the first game. That's already done. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about." So, you know, that doesn't happen. It doesn't really matter what happened in the first game. So, you yeah. sort of come into the second one and I guess that's the sort of communications breakdown. Well, James, what it, what about the um what about the the flavor of of the of New Vegas compared to uh, to Fallout Three, do you think that they maintained it pretty much? I mean, is it the same type of sort of dystopian sci-fi world as before? Yeah, I think that they kept with the themes. You know, it's it, des- it definitely has its own flavor uh, to set it apart from DC, mm-hmm. but you can you can still say it's a Fallout game. You know? Yeah, yeah. The the world looks. I mean, the the, the thing that I liked about it was. Um, the the differences and the similarities obviously the similarities you you want to see wrecked cars and wrecked trucks and things like that and i had my first truck blow up the other day and a little, yeah. little and that was and i didn't know if that was going to do that or not cuz a lot of the cars out in the west that they have just kind of sitting around have already exploded i guess cuz you can shoot them all day and they, they don't seem to blow up but some some of the trucks and stuff do but i remember in um in DC, man, you, you, the stray bullet went into a city bus or something. You better be on the next block in a, in a hurry. Um, so it was kind of interesting, but I think the, the DC one, um, you sort of felt almost sort of claustrophobic. I mean, you were really tight streets and, and a lot of the figuring out how to get to point A from point A to point B was figuring out, you know, what buildings to wind through to get to the next block and stuff. Whereas, yeah, now it's, now it's all mountains. Well, yeah, I mean, but, but I mean, the, in, the interior is pretty open. I mean, it's not that hard to, yeah. you can pretty much walk from one place to another. Yeah, the, uh, the, it actually, it was neat because, uh, the last time I was out in Vegas, I ended up on the far side of town and looking up at the, uh, stratosphere in real life. And I'm, I'm, the, it's weird because in the desert distances are, 
very different than what you think they are. And I'm like, oh, I'll just walk to it. It's right there. I can see it. You know, it's a it's a 112 story building. I can almost reach out and touch it. And then, you know, after about an hour of walking and I'm like, you know, that damn building isn't any closer. <laughs> I thought it was. Maybe I will hop in a cab. So I, I like that they kind of did that because. Um, from the cemetery in the beginning of the game, you can see um, the Lucky 38 Casino off in the distance, but it'll take you a long time if you try to walk it. So, uh, so Eric, what is um, – now, people are talking about the game um, being – they're already talking about the game being possible game of the year, and I think you said before the show started that you've played it uh, four times now? Yeah, uh, beat the ending four times. Oh, man. And uh, each four times, have you played – completely different characters i mean you know i mean tried if you tried going through as like a scientist and or stuff like that or well for the most part i, I use the same character uh, i use different followers mm-hmm. and i did each faction so i ended the the game on the ncr faction i ended it on the legion faction the independent and mr house ah okay okay now see i haven't even run into the independent is that just where you don't align with anybody yeah, uh, with the independent, uh, once you talk to Benny, you know, they kind of give you the option. You can be like, well, you don't have to do what he wants. You can do what you want. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Now, I did want to mention that there, this uh, this podcast is we're going to be as spoiler free as possible because we don't want to ruin it for anybody because it is a fantastic game. But at the very beginning of the game, uh, you actually are already existing in the world. You have a job, you're a courier, and you, you carry packages around and and uh, and things like that. Uh, how would you compare the beginning to New Vegas to the beginning of Fallout? And then, Eric, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know your history. I don't know. Did you play, like, Fallout 2 and the original Fallout? Yeah, yeah. Long, long hours. Yeah, yeah. I, did. I, I loved Fallout 2, even when the back half of my car didn't follow me all the time. <laughs> it was like a famous bug where you'd show up and, like, where's the back half of my car? And then you're like, oh, crap, all my stuff's in there. <laughs> so, but... uh. But I mean, it's it's different, right? I mean, it's sort of a different feeling because in in the original games you were exploring the world for for the first time, but in this one we kind of know what to expect, and, and so you're playing a character who's already out in the world, right? Yeah, I, I thought it was kind of a cool twist to it. Like, I understood where Fallout Three went, you know, because they wanted to kind of show you the vault life and then send you out, and then you know you're experiencing everything for the first time. What I loved about New Vegas was they're like, well, you already know what happened. You've already been involved. You've already seen it. But now we're going to basically, we're going to twist your your mind mentality of what goes on in the world. And now you're going to be thrown into something that you might not necessarily want to be a part of. And then you kind of get to explore more instead of just doing your everyday job. So I loved how they switched it up. And it wasn't like you were coming out like kind of like a newbie <laughs> and you have no idea what's going on. You actually have an idea of what the world is. But now you're basically doing something completely different than what you're used to. I, I love that. And I think I think you summed that up perfectly. It, it, it was really when I got there in the world, the New Vegas world, I was like, OK, I know what's going on. I know how hard the world is. Um, and but yet but yet it's different. So it was it was pretty cool all around. So joining us in the lounge today, uh, along with uh, James and Eric, is uh, Javon. Javon, sorry, I uh, didn't introduce you there at first, but uh, Javon did the Xbox 360 version of the game. We, the, you know, so so this game may have a real shot at Game of the Year. I mean, here we've got like two reviews, a column, and now a podcast about it. So, <laughs> so, yeah. so people really like really like the game. Um, and what I thought was interesting about your review, uh, Javon, and you mentioned it a little bit, was 
that you were kind of apprehensive about playing it at first. You you didn't know if you were going to like it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I always get a little antsy anytime um, you know the gameplay looks familiar in a sequel. It just for me it, it leaves a little bit of a bad taste uh, in your mouth. But at the same time, um, really, you know, in terms of Vegas, because of the style of gameplay it is, or you know, I kind of let that one, uh, you know, let it slide this time a little bit, I guess, and I just enjoyed the game for what it was. Um, it is so a post, it, yeah, it is a post-apocalyptic, a lot apocalyptic type game, so I guess I shouldn't really expect uh, anything new in the way of like graphics or anything. I mean, it's a nuclear war for guys. <laughs> yeah, well, the uh, I, th- I thought um, I thought Vegas. Well, the one thing about the new Vegas, which made it so appealing to the NCR, was that it. Um, it hadn't been hit by a nuclear bomb, so really, it's just got 200 years of entropy going against it. And Eric, I mean, what did you, what did you think? Did because um, I, uh, you know, I haven't really got to explore Vegas too much, but did the actual city of Las Vegas, you know, New Vegas, look different to you? I mean, no, it actually, I was actually kind of a little downtrodden about New Vegas itself, mm-hmm. like the way that they made it sound. But it was, it's really kind of like when you get into New Vegas, there's only kind of like three sections, of New, three sections of New Vegas. There's the section with two of the casinos, a section with two of the casinos and the monorail, and then a hotel, uh, Michelangelo's workshop, and the NCR. And that was really all that was actually in New Vegas itself. Mm. Uh, there, there was Freeside, which connected to New Vegas, which has got some, you know, like cool side quests that you can do within the city. Mm-hmm. But I was actually kind of like, I was actually kind of upset a little bit about what the way they did hmm. New Vegas itself. Like I thought there'd be more of a focus on New Vegas, but like all of the focus is outside of New Vegas. Like yeah. some of the coolest stuff they put in the game was not even stuff with the main quest, just random stuff that they put out in the world. Yeah, I think that if you wanted to, you could spend hours upon hours upon hours and not even go to Vegas. You know, there are there's so much jammed into that map. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, I, I totally agree with you that I, I enjoyed, uh, just as much as, as the scenery and the, the different, uh, side quests outside of the main storyline more than the main storyline itself. I just kind of enjoyed doing my own thing. Yeah. One of my favorite things was when you get a hold of the rebreather, which basically just helps you breathe underwater. I swam for hours, probably three or four hours in a row, just swimming in the lake because there's no radiation and there's stuff that you can discover in the lake. I was going to – oh, uh, Eric, I was going to ask you about that because I don't have the rebreathing thing yet. So I have been just like when you go to campgrounds and stuff and, you know, because I've been doing some quests with, you know, rescuing people out of slave pens and things like that. And I've been diving in the water because in Oblivion and even Morrowind before that, that was one of my favorite things to do. In fact, when I played Oblivion, I played an Argonian, which was the lizard character, specifically because they could breathe underwater and I wanted to explore the underwater world. And but what I found in the shore so far, there's not really a whole lot. There's like some sunken ships and stuff, but I, it doesn't look like you can go into them. So you're telling me that there is actually a whole lot of stuff underwater that you can find. There, yeah, there's some stuff like uh, you can you can go find the uh, the bomber that's submerged in the middle of the lake. There's actually a mission to bring it up, and then there's a a, a couple underwater caves that you can actually go into. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, there's some pretty cool stuff. I, I spent a good three or four hours just swimming in the water. See, I did that, and I don't have the rebreather, so I died quite a few times. <laughs> <laughs> I I uh, I 
I from from swimming without being an Argonian, I knew you got to watch that O2 meter and get to the surface. Yeah, I know. Right? So yeah, I went through a lot of stim packs just trying to make it back to the. <laughs> stim packs equal oxygen. <laughs> yeah, for some reason. Well, one of the things that I wanted to bring up uh, with actually all three of you and to get get your opinion on this is. Um, one of the things that I've criticized Bethesda in the past, and I mean, I, I love Bethesda. I mean, their, their headquarters is like, uh, you know, uh, less than five miles from Jin headquarters. And so every time they have events, we were over there and they're, they're great. But one of the things that I always have sort of criticized them, even going back to Oblivion and, uh, and, and Morrowind was, well, not so much Morrowind because Morrowind had some hidden stuff, but the, um, uh, how do I describe it? The world isn't as adult as I'd like to see it. Like, um, e- yeah. yeah, even if you look at like, um, I-, I was really disappointed with Fallout 3 because I was kind of expecting sort of even like a movie, like a Mad Max type movie, you've got some really sort of bad things that are going on. It was kind of almost like, I, I think I described it in my review as kind of like riding through the-, the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disney World. It's like, it's scary, but you're not really scared by it. And I thought that, I almost think that the reason they gave it to Obsidian Entertainment was because Obsidian Entertainment has no such qualms about that if you see some of the stuff they've done in the past. And I thought that New Vegas was a much more adult-oriented world. And I just uh, we'll we'll start with you, Eric, and then I'll go to James and go to Javon and see what you guys if you guys agree with me that that it seems to be more mature in level or and and if you like that or you like the old way or what's your, what's your thoughts, Eric? I think they put a lot more mature content into it, just like. Uh some of the stuff that they added in that's kind of like it's messed up like um there's where you can go and you can pay for a ghoul dominatrix (laughs) and uh or you can pay for a sex robot like there's a lot of random stuff and like there's kind of almost think of it like the grand theft auto where you pick up the girl and take her back to your hotel and you hear it blacks out the screen but you can hear her screaming and she's talking to you while you're you know you're you're doing the nasty there's some of that stuff in this game that i've ran across that i absolutely love that i love the idea that they're not kiddifying it basically if i can make up a word for a second like i love the idea that they're making it to where it's adult where you can go and do things like the world's not all walt disney i mean you yeah. you're doing whatever you and want i, I think that the setting, you know, definitely they, they knew they had to jump that barrier. You know, they knew that they couldn't really hold back and make it a PG-13 kind of game. They had to go just a step beyond, you know, and bring up things that are not only, you know, uh, adult content in terms of sexuality and things like that, but also, you know, some difficult decisions that you have to make that aren't as clear as, you know, blow up Megaton or don't blow up Megaton, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. J- Javon, what did you think? Well, I'm it's, I'm sort of at the toss up, but um, I, I think that uh, the theme was survival. I don't think that uh, you know, it, it wasn't as dark as you know, or as adult. I agree. I kind of agree with you, John. It wasn't as a adult as it could have been, but at the same time, I don't think they would have been able to uh, pass off the idea of bringing you know of the whole plot taking taking uh, place in Vegas. You know, if it was a little darker, because that's not typical to. You know that that isn't typical of the type of things that are you know, that's associated with being in Vegas. So I think that's why the mood was a little lighter. I, I kind of liked it though. I, it wasn't as dark, uh, even though it wasn't as dark. I kind of like this this flavor. Oh, okay. Well, definitely. And plus, mm-hmm. well, Fallout also deals a lot with comedy. Most of the the stuff that they're doing is either parody or satire for you know the 50s and or you know the 60s, the Cold War era. 
Right. So they definitely had a lot of levity put into there as well. I, I just thought it was a really good balance. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. I have not uh, had the chance to uh, partake of any of the sex robots or anything. I was mostly thinking about. <laughs> I was most. Uh, I almost cried when I seen that. When I when when it first popped up, I'm like, "There's no way they're actually going to let you do this." And I started laughing so hard when they actually let you do it, and just the sound effects that came out of it was hysterical. I'm like, "Why did they do this? This is awesome." <laughs> well, yeah, because in um in uh. In Fallout 3, there was, like, that one prostitute that worked in Megaton, and if you paid her, she basically just let you sleep in her bed for free. And I'm like, I, you know, I, I don't want a hotel room, honey. I have my own shack down the, down the street. Um, but I was I was thinking more like the um, – some of the stuff like uh, – well, like the Legion crucifies people, you know, and, yeah. and, and there's – you know, again, we're trying to be spoiler-free, but there's one point where you kind of see what the Legion is all about, like the first time you really – are smack up against, you know, what the Legion does. And, you know, I think they did a really good job of showing just how evil the, uh, the Legion actually is. Because I was, and Eric, I don't know, you're the guy who's played for all different factions, but when I first started playing the game, in the back of my mind, I kind of thought, well, I'm going to be a Legion guy. It kind of sounds like maybe I'll work for the Legion, you know, because of being having the tribal experience with the previous games and stuff. And I, I sort of thought I was going to go that way. But then when that stuff hit me in the face, I was like, no, I, I got to do everything I can to bring this Legion down. And I, I, I think, well, I don't know. You've played, you've played the different endings. Do you think that probably that's the way that most people are probably going to go, at least their first time through? Well, when I uh, when I went through it, that was the exact way that I was going to do it. I wanted to be part of the Legion. Mm-hmm. And then before I started doing, like, the Legion missions and actually, you know, befriending them, um, I met Boone and Novak. And then it kind of, like, really destroys, you know, like, just hearing his story, you're like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to be friends with them anymore. <laughs> and then uh, you go kill them all. Yeah, and then you kill them all. So and I was like, <laughs> you know what, I'm done with this. So I, I, I wanted to be Legion first, then as I progressed it and they gave me the independent option, then I'm like, man, why do I need somebody else to rule this? I'm just going to rule it. Everybody can just stay in their own little place because I'm the king. Now. <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty wild. And one thing, uh, because, uh, you know, with, with our time, I don't want to go too long, but um, I did want to talk to you guys about companions in this game compared to companions in, in the other games. One of the sort of, I'm, I don't know if this is a complaint or not, um, and uh, again, you guys who have gone through the game more than I have may know, but I believe the first companion, uh, well, the first companion that you can actually run into is Ed E, the um, the little robot thing, if you have a good enough repair skill or you can collect stuff. But the first, like, human companion that you run into is pretty much Boone, right? I mean, did anybody mm. meet anybody before? I mean, you meet Cassidy, but she won't go with you, or at least she won't go with me. I don't know why. She doesn't like you. Did, uh, yet. You have to go to uh, the Crimson Caravan for her. You have to go do a mission before she'll even talk to you. Right, right. So- yeah, and then there's like the mechanic uh, up on, what was it, Black Mountain? Black Mountain, uh, Raul, I think so. Oh, yeah, Raul, Raul, Raul. And uh, there's the the Night Stalker, whoever, at Jacobstown. Uh, yeah, she thinks you're her grandson. Yeah. Oh, I met so- I met her, but I just thought she was crazy, and I just left. Oh, really? <laughs> she can follow you. Lillian Brown, Lillian Bowen. Oh man, I'll have to go back. I was I was disappointed with Rex in this one. 
Rex was awesome in Fallout oh, 3. I, I thought Rex was worthless in this game. Oh, well, Rex was dog meat in Fallout 3. Yeah, it was dog meat in Fallout 3. I, you know, just the, the dog in general. I thought the dog was worthless in this one. <laughs> it kept dying every time I, you know, I'd go out and it would die. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to be friends with you anymore. You can go <laughs> stand somewhere. Yeah. Uh, here's a, here's a question. Did anybody choose to go survival mode or whatever it is? Hardcore survival mode? Oh, God. Yes. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't brave enough. I beat it the the first time I beat it I beat it on hardcore mode. Wow, dude, man, what do you? What, nice. Do you just get a trophy or do you get something real? Uh, <laughs> you get a hundred gamer score for it on the Xbox. Get a hundred gamer score for it on the Xbox. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't touch that. It was fun for the first like two or three hours. Like it was awesome because you know you, you actually felt like you were in the game because you had to eat and you had to sleep and you had to drink but after like the first three hours when it's like oh you're starved now i'm like i don't care i don't <laughs> care that i'm starved <laughs> and it got a, it got annoying after a couple hours but it was awesome for the first like three hours I, I was very tempted and what i do is i role play it so i'm like you know my character hasn't eaten for a while so i'm gonna i'm gonna munch a pack of yum yum deviled eggs even though my health is full so i kind of role play that i'm eating and drinking and stuff but the thing that that hurt that I didn't want to do hardcore mode was actually making the ammo take up weight because I just I like to carry like tons of ammo and I know it's kind of unrealistic that I've got 74 missiles in my pack and a mini nuke and <laughs> and the worst part for me was the um the stem packs they didn't heal all at once it was a slow regeneration so it was like a sunset spa- sarsaparilla but but with stick yep. okay yep uh no the only thing I was going to say about companions I was going to ask you guys is so, but it seems like Boone is the first person you probably most people will come across. It was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So my question is, I mean, Boone is kick ass. I mean, he's 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 awesome. So like, I ran up against that, ran into that girl that you know works for the Brotherhood of Steel, and she's like, oh, how about I travel with you, you know? And she's really funny, and I like what she says, and I like her personality and stuff. But she's like, I'm like, what do you do in combat? She's like, oh, I punch people. I'm like, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it could be Cassidy's worthless perk. Cassidy has the most worthless perk ever. That's why she's like, I'll follow you. I'm like, no, you won't. You're going to sit here at this bar. <laughs> well, she has a shotgun at least, right? What does she do for you? Yeah. The perk is uh, you uh, don't get the effects off drinking whiskey. Oh, and you you gain a damage threshold too. Yeah, I just I just thought I, I just I just rolled with Boone. Yeah, Boone was say, Boone sniper. was hysterical. Like you roll in somewhere, and he's like, if I see red, I'm shooting, and I'm like, go ahead, dude, do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I was doing a mission for the NCR to retake Nelson, and I'm going down in the town, and he's like, okay, we need to talk. Is it going to be a problem <laughs> if I kill all these Legion people? I'm like, that's kind of what I was planning to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, and if you're going somewhere and you want to sneak. I guess you can always tell him to stop. There was one of the bounty missions. I had to. I had to tell him to stay behind because I didn't want him, you know, alerting everybody that I was sneaking in there. So um, I don't know. The um, uh, and then uh, what do you guys think about the stealth interface? Have you guys done any any stealthy stuff? Um, there's a perk that lets you see at night. Um, yeah, you know, have night vision that I thought was real helpful that I hadn't seen before, and it it's it's not. Um, it's not like wearing night vision goggles, but like if you're in like a mine or something like that, it, it'll take about, I don't know, a couple minutes, but then your eyes adjust and you can see. I thought that was kind of cool and it really helped the stealth interface. Uh, yeah. It, jump uh, the cat eye, I think is what they called it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah. I, yeah. I loved it. I, I, I liked it. I thought it was cool because it, you know, when you turn the light on your pit boy, it doesn't give you a big, you know, like field of vision. Mm-hmm. 
and the enemies can see it. But if you're trying to sneak and you know, you just put that on, you can just go right through a cave and nobody even know you're there. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've been doing. I get my, I get my stuff up to like 60 now. I'm getting a lot better at it. So, okay, well, we always have a sort of a final question at the end of every show. So my final question is obviously going to be, um, so it seems like all of us sort of enjoyed the game, and now we're really getting close to the end of the year. Of course, we have um, uh, Assassin's Creed, the Brotherhood uh, is might be a contender. That's that's coming out real soon. Um, well, it's coming out tonight as of the taping of this, but it'll, it'll be out by the time that this runs. Um, so my question to you guys is, I mean, looking at all the stuff that's out there, I mean, at the beginning of the year, we did a Red Dead Redemption podcast, and everybody was saying that it was going to be game of the year, nothing could ever beat it, and, you know, it's still a really good game, you know, try to, if you can remember back that far um but i mean what do you think about uh is is so my question is so is fallout new vegas uh, you know is it a game of the year contender and if it is you know where where is it going to see its competition or you know do you think that it deserves to be a game of the year i mean we're talking we are talking about a sequel so i mean that kind of works against it a little bit and um we'll go ahead and start with you javon because i know that you've probably ha- got the the most conflicted feelings on this i'll tell you what it's been a lot of a lot of great games uh over the over the last few months, man, and it's been it's been intoxicating. So it's it's easy to you know get wrapped up in the hype of uh, Vegas because everybody's been anticipating it. Um, I'm still kind of uh, kind of reserved uh, on it being game of the year. Mm-hmm. I recently played uh, Enslaved, and I really loved that Enslaved game. I think it was Enslaved is kind of a sleeper hit out there. You know, um, not a lot of people. Uh, playing it, but that Enslaved really impressed me, man. I really, really love the Enslaved game. Um, but Fallout New Vegas, uh, certainly a contender for game of the year. I, it's, it's in my top three. I'm just kind of undecided at the moment where I want to go. Gotcha. Well, nothing wrong with that. There's still time to vote. In fact, we haven't even opened the voting yet. Uh, so James, what do you think? You've, you've been, uh, you've been reviewing a lot of stuff this year. It's probably not going to be any of those Wii titles you looked at. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. I, I, I think that it has some, you know, aspects going against it, uh, but, for the most part, you know, it's got the popular vote. Uh, I think it will go up against, you know, Red Dead primarily. Um, and right now, if you ask me, like, you know, dead set question, I, I don't know if I'd be able to choose between the two. Mm, well, okay, it's gonna, it's gonna be tough. So, Eric, you're the you're the new guy, the really new guy. So, but it seems like you do a lot of a lot of gaming. So, so what do you think if you if you had to pick a game of the year? Would I mean? You're the guy that's gone through this game four times. What, what do you think? I'd be a contender, or is there something else that you know you think is might might be better? I think it's in the top three, but I think I think a lot of it's going to hold on Assassin's Creed's multiplayer that they added this year. Yeah, yeah. And how you know when you're running, you can call other assassins to take care of people, so you can keep going. But I think another one that isn't really getting talked about a lot because of Red Dead and because of Fallout. Um, is Black Ops. Mm, yeah. The story was really good and the graphics were absolutely amazing and the online multiplayer is always fantastic. So yeah. I honestly, I love Red Dead. I think Red Dead was a great game and I put a, a lot of hours into Red Dead, but I seriously think that it'll probably come down to Black Ops and, and New Vegas because people have really short attention Thanks, spans. I don't think people are really thinking about the beginning of the year. I think people yeah. are thinking more now. So when they go to vote, they're not going to think about, oh, yeah, well, Red Dead did come out. They're yeah. going to think at the end of the year. But I think Assassin's Creed could kind of sneak in and take it if the gameplay and the online multiplayer is as good as they say it is. 
but I, I definitely think it's in the top three. It's easily in the top three in the running for Game of the Year. Great. Okay. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining me today, and uh, I'll let you all get back to your own private wastelands. Um, so now, now, Eric, I, I'm just it's it's fascinating to me that you've gone through New Vegas four times. I'm like, I can't get through the game once without dealing all this. But it, when when you went back through and did it the other time, I guess you were you were more directed at the main quest or. or? Um, I didn't stray as much. Like, uh, when I did it the first time, I really kind of just ran around and did, you know, I, I literally started, um, and just went south and basically circled around to the top of the map mm-hmm. and then went into New Vegas the first time. The second time, I kind of just, you know, I did the stuff, you know, right off the bat in the main city that you start off in, but then I kind of moved up, went to New Vegas, and then kind of just started doing the main quest on the on the the last three run throughs. Right, makes sense, makes sense. All right, well, um, all you uh, listeners out there, um, you can uh, send us an email. Let us know um, how you've played New Vegas and where you think it belongs on the list of uh, game of the year stuff. Um, because uh, like by, when this comes out, we'll be very close to uh, end of the year. We'll be starting that voting, so let us know. The email address is ginlounge at gameindustry.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at uh, uh, facebook.com slash gameindustry. So, and uh, I wanted to thank you, uh, James and Eric and Javon. Appreciate you guys joining me today very much. Thanks, Adam. Oh, absolutely. And we will see you all next time right here at GameIndustry.com's The Gin Lounge. Take care, everybody.